Hi, and welcome to Radical Change Group Radio. Today we are continuing our series on patterns of fate and destiny. And our focus today is on Mahipal, and the, the topic of, the, of this podcast is contribution. So to kick this off, I want to... Um, uh, just share briefly what I've been observing in Mahipal over the years of our friendship. <clears throat> uh, ever since I uh, met Mahipal, must have been what? Long time. Seven, <laughs> seven years ago or something like that, uh, maybe longer. Um, there is something very special about his sense of um, responsibility towards... Uh, uh, well, everything, other people, the planet, life. Um, um, and I think one way in which it shows up is, is this uh, uh, heartfelt desire to contribute. Um, contribute, to, contribute to projects, contribute to people's lives, uh, just in general to share his, his heart and his soul and his, uh, his mind. Uh, and it shows up in, in the great variety of ways and it actually this, the, the the force of this of this desire to contribute is is one of the one of the key fabrics of mahipal as a human being from from my perspective uh and in fact i think it's so strong that i i i guess i have yet to see another human being with such a strong force of contribution so that's why we've chosen this topic to um today to to share with you because uh, i think you might discover something very interesting uh, in the philosophy as well as in the particular ways in which Mahipal uh, uh, applies here this force of contribution. So, uh, Mayur, um, let's jump right in. Um, okay. What is contribution for you? Why do you do it? Uh, and how do you do it? <laughs> <laughs> wow, loaded. Um, what is contribution and why do you do it? So, to me, contribution, I mean, uh, the best way to talk about this is I think when you support the world, the world supports you. So that that basically sums up uh, my my sense of uh, my sense of uh, what contribution is and why. So what what, what is contribution? Uh, I think contribution is where it's almost as though you take a, a, a the role of a servant or a servant, if you will, and you work on helping other people unfold their lives um, while I use the word other people I also believe that there is no other <laughs> so in so many ways uh, when you are helping others you are actually helping yourself and the goal the goal always is uh, to move towards a higher realm of consciousness or a higher realm of being uh, why do it well if we are indeed one if the fabric of life indeed runs through all of us and connects us in this web of life that is unbreakable, and I believe it is, then even though you mutate or you grow by yourself, all of us as one cannot evolve to that higher plane of existence until everyone has moved there. So in some ways, 
Um, in some ways, it is selfish to be selfless. <laughs> because uh, 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 it's not a play of words. I, I mean this. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean this. Because uh, I, I do believe in this connected vision of life. In fact, I experience it. And I've had many, many, many role models before me who've, who've not just talked about it, but have walked this path and have shown me the, the, the wisdom of this approach. Um, so it, it, it takes you away from this whole notion of divide and conquer, which many a kingdoms do, to unify and prosper. Because uh, ultimately, I, I think that until, and, you know, ultimately, I think that until all of us are not happy, you cannot truly be happy. And uh, at least to arrive at that state of joy. And uh, uh, maybe it's my East Indian heritage that says, you know, uh, I do want, uh, I do want Nirvana. I do want to uh, uh, go from this side to the other to escape uh, escape from the bonds of karma, so to speak. Uh, and one of the ways you do it uh, is uh, to to get uh, uh, to get away from this life of attachment is to give away the most precious things that you have, so that it contributes to somebody else's life. Mm, interesting. This reminds me of of the concept of bodhisattva. Yes, uh, and uh, all must enlighten human being who decided to stay on earth. Uh, until everyone is liberated, uh, do you in some way see yourself as I guess uh, going in that direction? Hell no. <laughs> well, <laughs> now I, that's direction. flattering, but uh, uh, I don't know if I see myself as a bodhisattva at all. In fact, I don't think I'm anywhere close to it. But uh, uh, they 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 dedicate their entire life and their entire being and stake their very existence to it. I don't think I do that. I don't do it at that level at all. Um, so no, I, I don't think I see myself like that. But I do understand. I do resonate with that philosophy, and I I have nothing but the deepest admiration and respect for uh, for be it the bodhisattva or, or people who do that so selflessly. Because I think I think they are exemplifiers of how um, of how this connected vision of life works. Because I think it's our it's our ego that separates us and makes us think of ourselves as separate and different. Whereas it's this uh, movement from uh, this small ego to a larger ego, so to speak. I don't mean being big-headed, but the ego, uh, the, the larger construct of the self that that says, "Hey, you want to you want to maximize globally, not locally." So I, I guess that's uh, that's one way of putting why this sense of contribution is important. So what do you do specifically? <laughs> what do I do? Uh, it's hard to say, you know. It's 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 hard to say. I mean, there are a couple of private promises. Uh, they've remained private until today, and I'm going to open up and talk to you about it. Like one of the things, uh, one of the promises I made about two years ago is uh, for the next anywhere from seven to ten years, I'm going to help one person a day start his life or his or her business. Right, and I'm doing this through organizations such as Kiva and whatnot. So, that's 25 bucks a day, 25 US dollars a day. So, 
I do that. So that's one one thing so far. So so what every day you contribute twenty five bucks to some person or some organization? To some person somewhere in the world who needs that help to get his or her family on the path of independence, so to speak, and self sufficiency. And, and you've been doing this for how long already? Uh, two years, I think. As of today, I've helped about seven fifty so far, seven hundred fifty people. Okay. <laughs> so that's one. Second, I would say RCG. Uh, I think this is this is a shared contribution. I'll just speak about my part on it and why I do it. I think uh, uh, I think any time that we can provide this help to people who need it the most and who, who don't have access to teachers or to the money in order to get that break in their life, helping contribute to them, I think is is the second piece. Then I would say my my martial arts, uh, where uh, it's it's much more personal, much more intensive. Uh, where I work with these uh, kids, I call them kids. They're all grown up. I work with these kids essentially, where it's it's a far deeper form of uh, contribution. Where it's almost as though uh, you leave a mark on their soul that says, "I was here," you know, and and. Uh, I, I think Sergey has seen some of that, and uh, if you if you see if you see my students and people in the dojo, you would know exactly what I mean. Some of them have completely turned around, stopped their life of drugs, stopped their life of uh, uh, in the street, so to speak, gotten back to school. So it's it's a, it's a good it's a it's a good feeling, you know. And then there are other causes that I contribute to very, very regularly, be it money, be it time, uh, or giving myself in any which way I can. Uh, I think you also mentioned uh, uh, National Park Services. Yeah. Uh, and Sea Shepherd. Yeah. Well, I think it's it's important, right? I mean, if we, if we like I said, I, I see us as a fabric of life, and I'm not just talking about humans. Uh, I think uh, I think I've mentioned this before. I said we are uh, not on this planet; we are off this planet. I think it's a very important distinction. And just like we are off this planet, so are those whales, so are those trees, so are those rivers. So. Um, um, and I think contribution is required most for those who can't stand up and speak for themselves and fight for themselves in in the way we humans can, so to speak. So uh, being able to contribute to them, I think, is is of prime importance. So uh, makes my makes me very angry when I see those Japanese ships go out and harpoon those magnificent whales. In the name of research, what kind of research takes life away? What kind of research uh, takes away the very intelligence of the deep oceans? What kind of research takes away our our link to the past and possibly our link to the future? Those magnificent animals have survived for millennia, and they they have a right over the oceans. They have a right over this earth just as much as we do. And uh, 
just because we can fight them or actually we don't fight them right we're cowards uh, we hide behind technology and get them uh, you want to go fight a whale take a sword in your hand and get into the water and kill it hey man more power to you <laughs> but eat the bloody thing right but that's not what we do right so it's a very uneven it's a very uneven uh, from my perspective it's a very uneven thing and national parks i mean this is a shared heritage right it would be sad if our grandkids and our grandkids uh, that it just becomes a myth that oh my god there there used to be trees all around we could see it and and those trees are replaced by concrete jungles i think that would be really 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 sad so uh, as a uh, contribution is you know, such a part of your life so how does it affect uh, everything that you do let's say in everyday life because what I'm from my perspective it's like you just live that you breathe it mm-hmm. pretty much all the time like you walk in the street and you know contribution is part of you just like we talked about your vision of earth before right so it's the same thing you actually keep talking about that even in this conversation right so it's, they're, they're kind of inseparable it seems for you Right. So, uh, uh, how does it uh, affect your life, like every day? So, what do you do? I mean, I don't, I don't know how how I even want to ask the question, but maybe you can give some examples or some thoughts or something that would you know how does it affect every day? Maybe life? I can help guide the question, um, as opposed to you know these rare um, special events like uh, given money to a musician on the street every few days when you see one or or, or going to Ki- to Kiva and donating once a day right um, the sense of contribution in you it's uh, like Sergey said it's ever flowing and, and it's present in every conversation you have every action you take right and somehow it informs what you do and guides you in, 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 in decisions Sergey, is that what you're trying to get at? What is this? Uh, how does this change the sense of contribution, the way you yeah, live your yeah, moment-to-moment life? Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like. Uh, I mean, do, do you understand what I'm saying? I, I think so. See, uh-huh. see, for me, it's not. It's not a. In in a weird way, it's not like a conscious decision where I say I'm going to help somebody. Well, yeah, it's. What of the fish? I mean, it's yeah, I mean, it's it's it's. Uh, uh, I, I understand your question. I think what what maybe best the best way to describe it is how do I how did I get here? Right? Maybe maybe in that we'll be able to arrive to, at that answer. Oh, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did lead a very selfish life where it was about I, me, and myself. Uh, you know, the finest things in life uh, with disregard for uh, what it cost, what it cost others. Yeah. And but I've been I've been kind of very lucky in my life in terms of having teachers and having mentors and people in my life very close to me, and I'm not talking about meeting them once or twice and calling them my mentor, right? I'm talking about people who've been in my life for 15, 20, 25 years, um, who who exemplified this and lived their life on this basis, and I began to see the wisdom in it. I've never spoken about Gundapankal, and I'm going to start speaking about it from this moment on even though those who've been listening to this podcast know I've dedicated everything that I've done here to him as one of the key sources he was one of the most brilliant men I knew 
with, with a couple of PhDs and a, he had a few more under his uh, own, own way. And he came into my life before my birth, so to speak. He was my grandfather's best friend, uh, grew up in Sweden. And I was a professor at Uppsala, uh, and hence my love with Uppsala in some ways. And uh, uh, he came from my, my parents' wedding, and he fell off the second floor and broke his hip. So he continued staying with us, and I was born uh, while he was still recovering in my family home. And my grandfather told him, he's like, hey, you anyway, just go out there and teach in Uppsala. Why don't you just stay back and help out in India? That very thing got him to give up everything that he had, his tenureship, his uh, uh, his life in Sweden. And he just stayed back. And for the next 17, 18 years, no matter where I went, he was my personal tutor, teaching me everything from horse riding to English to Arabic to mathematics, uh, whatnot. Right? Now, that is a sense of contribution, but that's very small compared to the things he did. Um, in 1940, uh, he left uh, South Africa and then Sweden and followed Mahatma Gandhi to India and became an integral part of the Indian freedom struggle. Um, he believed in non-violence and that's something that I learned from him, that no matter what violence the so-called enemy does on you, you don't retaliate. Um, to such a point where uh, they arrested him, they threw him away in the dungeons in Antaman and Nicobar Islands where no sunlight would get through and every time the, um, the high tide would come in, the ocean water would get into the dungeon so you couldn't sleep at night. It was ice cold water. They beat the crap out of him. He lost his hearing and yet he never raised his arms, hands against the British and he prayed for them. He lived that life where he said, you know, that, that there is no enemy. You fight them, you become like them. The only way you can transform them <laughs> is with love. He gave everything up that he had and followed the, the, the vision to get India free. And after she was free, he went back to his life. Accumulated a lot of money with a bunch of his research and patents. And in 1961, um, uh, India went to war with China and he signed away every penny that he had, including his family heirloom, the one gold ring that was his only link to his family. He signed that away to the peace crops because he said, I will not give money to the Indian or the Chinese government for the war, but I'll give it to the Red Cross to help people on both sides, the ones who are injured. Okay. So... He's just, these are just some stories. I haven't even started touching about, touching upon the things that have touched me even more deeply. But I lived with this man. I grew up with him. And I saw that sense of contribution in everything he did. So when I see what he's done and what I'm doing, it doesn't even scale from my perspective. Mm. Right? But my grandfather um, started the first hospitals, the first schools on the India-Pakistan border. Um, giving away selflessly again because I think I think growing up around these people and my father I learned that uh, life is about uh, giving life is about bringing smiles on people's faces that you may not even know that's the important thing they would say bringing smiles on people's faces that you may not know and he said the best contribution you can do is when you've done the contribution and the other person doesn't even know he or she's been helped and that you made an impact in their lives. So um, 
growing up with them, seeing that generosity where uh, they would give off the shirt off their back. Um, in the beginning, I thought it was silly and foolish as a teenager, but as I've kind of uh, um, grown, so to speak, I've had my uh, uh, had my challenges. I've had my demons that I fought. I mean, I did everything not to be like them, and that's where my fall came. And uh, uh, I've, I've learned to realize that it's not just your hero's journey, but there's a family, the family's heroic journey too. And you have to continue on that path or fight it or transform it. So I think it was in that process I learned that this this is who I am. And when I'm not being this is when I cause damage to myself and to others. So, um, so I've had these rich, rich uh, examples of contribution. And then, of course, Osho, who I think is the original intellectual uh, guerrilla warfare specialist <laughs> <laughs> right uh, but I mean he's, he's uh, people don't see him as a contributor but I think he's a fantastic sense of contribution where he gave everything up in order to get people to say that your freedom is the only thing worth living for and he gave up his right to be able to visit and live in over 40 countries he was ridiculed by everyone people tried to kill him over the years and it's only after his death that do they realize what a wonderful contribution he's done. Now, his impact is so great that he is only one of the two authors whose books are housed in the Indian parliament. The second one is Mahatma Gandhi. Hmm. Okay. So, uh, so I, I guess to answer your question, I don't know if I've answered your question, uh, but growing up around these people and I've just shared, I've not even touched upon the things that I've seen uh, seen these people do in and around my life. Uh, I have noticed uh, it transform uh, lives and transform me. Like, I, I never normally talk about the things that I contribute to or have contributed towards, but I, I've been on this journey for the last one year to lead an open life. And it means that if somebody asks me about it, I will answer. So, um, how has it changed me? Um, I'm trying to trying to become the kind of person that I have seen my ancestors and my mentors be, uh, and see the richness of the relationships and richness of lives that they've led. And lastly, I mean, I I, I can't complete this without talking about my sensei. He gave everything up that came easily to him so that he could help shape a couple of generations of kids, uh, help them find their way out of crap uh, in different countries and bring them towards uh, a life which was in integrity with themselves. And the effect of that, that decision can be felt in a couple of countries today. So it's one man and one mission being able, not for glory, not for name, but just doing because he or she is called to do that. And you see the cascading effect of that decision across continents. So uh, these are my mentors. These are people that I've learned this and I continue to learn this from. So how does it shape me? I aspire to become a human that can do that. So I don't know if I've answered your question. 
Well, yes, with a mentor like this, it's not surprising to have um, a philosopher like yours. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, you, you've answered the, uh, a big part of the question, right? So, like, how did you mm. come to that point? And, you know, what basically mm. describes you, right? Mm. So, the, what shapes you? Um, I guess what would also be interesting to uh, uh, hear is, uh, uh, well, how does it how does it happen for you in like normal life? Like you, uh, you know, you walk on the street, you see somebody needs help or something. Like, uh, well, we all know how like most people react, right? So, some people just pass by, some people maybe offer a hand or something, right? Some people need to think about it consciously and make a decision, right? But what happens to you? What happens for you? It depends. Like, sometimes, like, I actually feel the pain. Uh, uh, if I see uh, if I see someone, especially if it is around food, right? My hands just go into my wallet. And even if it's my last dollar, I'll give it to him or her. So, I think I think that's one um, if I see musicians and artists, uh, I usually look at, not that I don't listen to their song, but the pain in their song, if that makes any sense. Because uh, what I've learned about artists is they are the uh, precursors of the life to come, the possibility that the human race can aspire to. Uh, these are the guys living on the edges. Uh, and I'm talking about even many times street artists because the reason they're street artists and they have that pain and that intensity is that masses cannot handle it. These are the mutations. And yet they, they exemplify the possibility of uh, humanness. And I see that. I, I guess I feel that pain. I, uh, I, see, I see that hungry person and I'm like, okay, if, if I can help him or her I will so uh, I don't think uh, I don't think it's a conscious decision I think my hands just go to my pockets and, and I give what I can uh, so yeah I mean uh, I, I've had uh, it's funny I used to um, back when I was dating a lot more I think uh, there were at least some who said oh you don't have to do this to impress me and that's when it registered in my head that they think I'm trying to impress them. And I'm like, no, <laughs> uh, you don't matter. This is between me and this person. So so I think it, it goes back to that point where um, uh, it's not about, oh, I feel that deeply, but I don't see that separation. So again, it's not about him being hungry. Mm-hmm. It's about life being hungry. And it's not right that there's one side that has all the resources. If I have the resources, why shouldn't I help them? There were so many people who helped me in my life. Uh, like I told you about Gudda Pankal, he dropped everything for a newborn kid he knew nothing about. Uh, and completely changed my life in the process. I mean, uh, the reason I've not talked about him so far is because he's such a deep part of me. And it's so, so, so personal. But uh, I've realized that uh, uh, if I truly believe in the fabric of life, then it belongs to the world. So I'm going to talk about it. So that's what happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. In what direction um, are you uh, are you desiring or thinking of taking this contribution in the future when you only? I want to help at a larger scale. Um, 
I mean, uh, what I'm doing, and so it's all right. I mean, there are many people who are doing as much as I do or more. But I think uh, your responsibility should be in relationship to your potential. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And you believe your potential is great, so your responsibility is great. I believe my potential is greater than what I have been doing so far. Therefore, my responsibility is greater than what I have done so far. So, um, uh, after all, what is potential? Potential is the ability to bring forth or apply your will to bringing forth something. So, um, there's, there's this paradox here. I, I ultimately believe in individual freedom and uh, this very libertarian point of view, but also it being very balanced in that it's the you cannot be free as an individual until everybody else is free as well. So... Mm-hmm. So I think uh, I think as as we grow, as we mature, or, or as as your perspective changes, your sphere of potential, your sphere of sight changes. When your sphere of sight changes, your sphere of influence can radically change. And as your sphere of influence changes, your sphere of responsibility changes. Do you want to tell us uh, about? Uh, first, I guess, big project you just started recently? Yeah, wow, two failures yeah. so far. <laughs> yeah, this... Uh, this perhaps is... some, of, some of our listeners might might become interested in it and might step forth to contribute as well. Yeah, that'll be lovely. So, this is a project of mine where um, what I've realized is that immigrant populations and populations torn by war, the first thing that is destroyed is education and the last thing that is recreated is education. For example, uh, when a family gets displaced, be it from Tibet to India or from Indonesia to somewhere else, like maybe you know Holland, but Holland is a bad example. But the um, you know Islam, uh, the Africans moving over to Europe, um, it usually takes two to three generations before they can become integrated, before they can find a placing in society. However. What we've also seen is that it just takes one generation for those kids to pick up arms. And the difference, I think, is uh, in two pieces. One is to educate. And to educate means not to hammer things into them, right? But to draw what is best within them outside and allow them to dream again. Now, the reason they can't do that is they don't have resources that enables them to go to these schools or or have access to it. So the, the the idea that I've been working on is essentially bringing a notion of um, of uh, microfinance, but I, I, I think about it more as micro-gifting, uh, to the world of education where small contributions from a large number of people can essentially help transform entire societies. And uh, it's kind of sad that even though... Uh, I, I, I thought that this was a noble pursuit and I got partners involved and I shall not name them. Uh, I got partners involved to uh, to work on this project. They ran away with my money, um, ran away with the code. It is just, uh, it's just amazing that, uh, uh, that this happened. Well, as you guys know, you've seen me struggle with this for the last year and a half, two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think uh, it'll happen. It'll happen in its own time, in its own sweet time, and the right people will come along. And I'm in, I'm in the third 
third version of this, meeting with some members of the parliament from Tibet and a few other people showing up in my life um, in in very synchronistic ways. And it'll happen. It'll happen. If not now, in a few years, or if not in this lifetime, somebody else will take it on. But it'll happen. <laughs> okay. So it's kind of like Kiva only for education, right? It's, it's more than Kiva. Uh, it's more than Kiva, but that's the simplest way of saying it. Because uh-huh. Kiva, there is this notion of a bank being involved and there's this notion of being returning the money to the lender. But uh-huh. uh, I'm thinking about uh, the notion that I've been playing with is micro-gifting uh-huh. and where you gift this money maybe to this one family, Kickstarter right? Kickstarter maybe a you better kick- example. Yeah, Kickstarter. But the, re- the difference no, kick- being... Yeah, well, I'm talking about Kickstarter.com. There is a, there's I'm a, not familiar with that. Okay, but it's also essential micro-gifting that, uh, for all kinds of usual artistic projects. Okay. I'm or, not familiar or, with that. Or businesses. Yeah. Okay, I'm not uh-huh. familiar with that. But the, the, the big difference here being that the kid who gets the money repays the money to the organization. Uh, the difference being that he chooses the next kid. He finances with that. So there's this notion of this gift, this uh-huh. cascade, just flowering forward. Right? Uh-huh. So... Every piece that you give, that the $25 that you give to, say, this next kid, he gets that $25 and he returns $30. But that $30 is not used by Daya. But that $30 will now be applied to the next kid and mm-hmm. his education. So mm-hmm. your original gift will continue to pay over time and just grow. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the difference. Sounds like a great concept. Any specific yeah. uh, help you're looking for right now? I guess people, you know. I, I guess people looking to uh, uh, take on responsibility to start coding this thing again. Uh, connections within uh, the Tibetan, the Palestinian, the Sri Lankan uh, communities. Uh, these are uh, these are the communities that have been most impacted uh, by this. And uh, by no means does it mean that other communities are not invited, but you know this is this is where I'm being called forth. And if somebody wants to take this idea, take it somewhere else. Take it, <laughs> go do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, anything else you want to add as parting thoughts? Oh, I think I've shared. I mean, this is probably the most personal conversation that I've had in RCG. And uh, I think uh, people who have been listening to RCG podcast for a while will probably be surprised by how different this is compared to uh, everything that they have heard. But but like you said, you know, this, is, uh, this runs through the fabric of my life. And uh, perhaps this is the most personal conversation I've had with the audience. Well, it's good, you know, after three years of listening to you to finally get to know you. (laughs) 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 All right. So with this, have a wonderful day. Good night and good luck. And may you be happy. The copyright of this recording is owned by the Radical Change Group and the individual contributors. Permission to copy and distribute freely is granted, provided that the entire recording on this notice remain intact. Please visit us at www.radicalchangegroup.com. Your comments and feedback will be greatly appreciated.